0: All right, welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is my good friend, Robbie Sherry. And we're here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Uh, Today, we kind of have a bonus episode for folks, uh, Robbie. Uh, We're coming up here on the election. Of course, that begs a lot of questions for, I think, believers, Mm -hmm. in terms of how should we think about the challenges facing our country, how should we think about the different people that have been put forth as potential candidates to serve in elected office, how should we think about the issues in play, all of those kinds of things. But I think all of those are really downstream from some really fundamental questions, Hmm. like what does it mean to be a Christian and a citizen? Of the United States of America, uh, that's related, I think, to some extent, and wrapped up to some extent in your perception of the United States of America being a Christian nation or a nation founded on Judeo-Christian principles, which I think are two very different things. Right. You know, um, and then um, probably even this notion of you know, historically speaking, of, of course, you know, this idea that uh, you know, church and state have always, there's always been this separation, separation. between the two, uh, not necessarily fleshed out in law per se, but certainly something, uh, a principle that has guided so much of how we engage over the last couple of hundred years as a country. So um, so I think those are some of the more fou- foundational questions to be talking about as we kind of enter into this election season. And again, then who you vote for and what you vote for and that kind of thing are probably going to be downstream sure. from those. What do you think about all That's that? good.
1: Well, I agree with you. I don't think that America is a... Christian nation
0: mm-hmm. certainly and, not now I mean there's a I mean all kinds of right, right laws and secular stuff right. being passed that would mitigate against that for
1: sure yeah. yeah and I think you have to look back at it would be an interesting thing to say you know I'm going to look at the life of Doug Ressler mm-hmm. and say you've you've died and I'm examining your life 200 years after the fact mm-hmm. and I have your checkbook. I've got your emails, Mm -hmm. I've got your, your journal Mm -hmm. and I am going to 200 years after the fact, make some sort of judgment as to the relationship that you had with God. Right. 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 So we like to do this with Thomas Jefferson and the Jeffersonian Bible and some of these founders and we say, oh, well, they were deists or, you know, we think their faith was this way or that way. Right. And I think it's inarguable. It's uncontestable that that we have Judeo-Christian principles embedded in a lot of the laws of our land.
0: Yeah, I, all of those folks that you just talked about, whether you're talking George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, you know, at, name your founding father, name, name you know, the, the, the real strong influence at that time, they are 100% coming out of a context that is Christian, on some level, right, and and not not necessarily Christian in name, but certainly Christian in principle. They under the way they look at life, the way they the way they understand life comes right out of the scriptures, and and certainly we're not claiming that they they were perfectly, you know, they did Correct. that perfectly or anything like that. Obviously, they still believed in things like slavery, abominations like that, but 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 they were uh, on some level guided by the the culture of the time, products of the culture of their time, and and that culture had a lot of Christian principles embedded within it you know so what they created what they ended up creating here in america is sort of an an extension of that on some level absolutely
1: yeah we we were the great experiment right Uh right a new a new form of government of the people for the people by the people all that and so yes the the ways of god are inextricably linked with some of our founding documents Mm -hmm. and, and principles that guide our country but we look radically different from a country that's, say, a an Islamic country. Right, right. Where it is the national religion, mm-hmm. there is an expectation. You, you can't separate culture from religion mm-hmm. in some of those countries, and you certainly right. can in the United States. So yeah. I think that's where I would start to say, we're not a Christian nation, but we are founded on Christian principles, Judeo-Christian principles, mm-hmm from the sort of Christian worldview. That's yeah, where I would probably yeah, start yeah. that.
0: Yeah, they didn't set out to make the Bible the law of the land. Right. That's not what they did. They, they based their laws off of the Bible, but, but they didn't do what Iran has done, for instance, where Sharia law is the law. Yes. There is no daylight between their religion and their government, that the two are one and the same. Right, and in America, one of the one of the founding principles was this idea that we would we would want there to be religious freedom. Now, I think for again in their context, I don't think that meant necessarily like Islam, Hinduism, like all these non-Christian. religions. I think in right. their minds, it meant different Christian denominations. That's sort of how it got mapped out, you know, in the United States, right? So you have the Puritans that come, and then you got like Roger Williams who. Isn't quite in alignment with the Puritans, so he goes down to Rhode Island and forms his own. You know, and you got Anne Hutchinson, you got all of these things that begin to happen as the early, uh, you know, founding fathers and and the people that were settling the, those original thirteen colonies. All of those kinds of things, right? They were they were trying to figure this this thing out. And again, it's a very European centric look at things because they certainly weren't tolerant of any kind of the Native American religions that existed right. that they certainly encountered. Yeah. Um, the people that were already living here, right? Mm. They were already had a way of life here. We we just came in and sort of typical colonial era fashion just took over the joint on some level because we we could, and and we and we sort of built this nation, but it was on top of some pretty nasty stuff at the end of the day in right. terms of how we treated Native Americans, certainly how we treated African Americans that we were importing as slaves. All of that kind of stuff is is there at the founding, as much as the real positive, as much as the real positive stuff. I mean, so when the founding fathers would write into a document that we hold these truths to be self-evident.
1: Endowed by the creator. That
0: all men are created equal. They didn't really mean all men. Right. Right. And, and now thankfully as time has moved on that, that the definition of that term has grown more and more inclusive. Sure. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, and I actually think that that itself is an outgrowth. Of sort of the Christian faith, which is always reformed and reforming over time, right? It sort of has this self-correcting impulse within it, which I love. But, 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 but again, that that these this is all part of the mix when you start mm-hmm. to talk about the 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 roots of a of a country like America and and how where we've been, how far we've come, where we're going, those kinds of things. And then, how do we, as the ones who are charged now, to continue to pass this legacy on? How do we continue that work of our founding fathers to form a more perfect union, which I think is a work that never really ends. Right. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It'll be so. interesting to see how history judges Twitter. Right. In a hundred right, years. Right, 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 right. To see right. that, you know, well, Doug Russler had some pretty good writings, Yeah, but he was on Twitter. Right. right. And Twitter was run by, you know, right. whatever it is. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The so guilt by an,
0: association and some of those <laughs> right, kinds of yeah. things. Right. Totally.
1: So being an American citizen, and being a Christian, I think there's there's so many misconceptions. I think a lot of people thought, well, because I'm an American, I'm a Christian. Right. There right. was that sort yeah. of sort of for a lot of years cultural Christianity, yes, yep, sure. uh, you know, Christendom mm-hmm. kinds of beliefs. And I think it's it's good to sort of start with, okay, so America is a nation founded on Christian principles, Judeo-Christian principles. And now living as a citizen in this country, what what does it look like to live Christianly in a country that seems Mm -hmm. to be drifting further and further away from those Mm -hmm. initial principles?
0: And that drift is not just leftward, it's It's also rightward. I mean, it, it, it seems like no matter where you fall in the political spectrum, both extremes on either end are trying to pull us away from the heart of the gospel right and um and so that's where Christians really have to be discerning and cannot align per se with any political party i mean it's uh, i heard one pastor say you know recently like look we don't identify with the donkey we don't identify with the elephant we identify with the lamb that's great and i i think that's exactly right and and to understand that by identifying with the lamb that's going to put us in alignment on some level with you know some of the platform of you know, maybe the Republican party. And then on another level, it's going to put us in alignment with some of the platform of the democratic party, potentially. I mean, again, I haven't looked at them in a long time and those things are always changing. They're always kind of in motion, Sure. but there's a sense in which like, we belong to a different kingdom, right? We belong to a different world. Uh, Tony Evans, who you probably know, you know, awesome man of God yep. down in Texas. I love how he sort of talks about this. He talks about the fact that you know, I think he's got. I think one of his kids uh, actually made the NFL. Uh, I, I think one of his boys okay. ended up in the NFL. Anyway, he talks. He uses the NFL as an analogy. He says, you know, like so when you're watching an NFL game, there's, there's, there's. You think there's two teams on the field, right? And they're competing against one another, right? And he goes, but that's not entirely true. There's a third team on the field as well, and that team doesn't represent this city or this city. That team represents a different city, New York City where the NFL home office is and they wear stripes right. and they have a rule book that they're called to enforce. And he goes like in a similar way, when it comes to politics, you've got two teams on the field and they each represent a certain segment of the country. And we don't represent this segment or this segment. We represent a different segment. Yes. We represent a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we have a rule book that we've been given the Bible and we are there to try and to try and get both teams to align with what scripture has to say. I like that. That's good. I think that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. I think it was
1: Tim Keller who talks about, you know, know, people want to say, you know, was Jesus, would Jesus be a Republican? Would Jesus be a Democrat? And he says, you know, it's interesting because if you read the scripture, Jesus seems to have a heart for widows and orphans. Right. Which one political party would say they're, they've been the ones that have served widows Mm -hmm. and orphans. And he also seems to have a high regard for humans mm-hmm. made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. He also seems to have a high regard for loving all people, mm-hmm. regardless of mm-hmm. <laughs> background. And you, you look at these political parties who champion their various things, and we've become a land of yeah, but. Right. And so you say, well, I think these things from the Republican Party are near and dear to Jesus's heart. And people go, well, yeah, but, Mm -hmm. and you go, you're right. Yeah. There's things in the democratic party Mm -hmm. that are near and dear to Jesus's heart. And so Jesus offers this third way that, that Mm -hmm. transcends both of them. And for the Christian living in America today, we're, we're torn culturally because sometimes we hear, well, it it has to be this way or it has to be this way. And I love whenever in the scriptures, people try to trap Jesus Mm -hmm. every single time. Mm -hmm. He's just like, "Eh." right. And he either tells a story or he asks a question or one time he just walks through the crowd because he goes, yeah, it's not my time. You don't get to kill me yet. Right, right. You know, there's just yeah. always this other option that's <laughs> right. above and beyond the petty squabbles that humans seem to just bifurcate and just go, it's got to be either this or this. And I'm on the right side, right? That's right. And Jesus goes, um, let's get your heart. And,
0: and it's also not in the mushy middle. That's not what Jesus is saying either. I mean, that's another thing, right? I mean, people talk about, well, you must be you you must be arguing for like a centrist, like a middle way. No, I'm not talking about a middle way.
1: Jesus was a libertarian, right? No,
0: we're talking about a completely alternative way. Yeah. Something that looks nothing like the 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 powers and principalities of this world, mm-hmm. um, something that really is gospel centered and gospel shaped and and directs us towards the kingdom and 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 again, it's tough these days to look at what we have to vote like what's on the ballot. I'm looking at what's on the ballot. I just got my preparation guide from Douglas County, right. you know, voter preparation guide, and I'm reading through all of the issues and I'm reading through all the candidates and their platforms and the people I'll be voting for and those kinds of things. And it makes it really challenging because really it, hardly any of it lines up with oh, right. Right. god's, not, god's revealed will in scripture the perfect you know candidate if <laughs> you're looking not. for that one right. you're either right. never
1: going to vote or you're going to be reading even the back page of that little thing that they made right. to you that right. nobody reads
0: i mean you can even like write in jesus's name as a mail-in vote i suppose <laughs> and i don't i mean i don't i don't know I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. that would be interesting that would be interesting to see how many votes <laughs> jesus could get in an election <laughs> Probably not many at the end of the day, right? You know, I mean, and so, you know, it is, is it interesting as we come up on election season and we're going to go into a ballot box, and I do think actually it is incumbent upon every Christian to vote. To vote. I think that's really important um, because that's how we participate and that's how we influence um, our political system. Mm -hmm. Um, We vote, we, we go in, we advocate, we do those things. So I think it's important that we all vote. And so as you go into the booth and you're thinking about, okay, who do we vote for? What am I voting on? Why am I voting on this? Right. I think it's just really important to look at your motives, to look at the answer that question. Why? Why am I voting this way and not this way? Mm-hmm. And, and is that discernment grid that I'm using to determine yes to this, no to this, yes to this, no to this, is that discernment grid really based on scripture? Or is it based on a priori commitment to a particular political party? right right or a um well, a priori commitment to you know a particular you know political philosophy mm-hmm. you know and have i allowed that philosophy or that party nothing wrong with identifying with a political party nothing wrong with identifying with a political philosophy as long as it doesn't become primary over my relationship with christ and right. what he would have for me and what the what god's word says
1: i think you know. i think that's spot on because every every candidate is going to let us down Mm -hmm. in some way, Mm -hmm. shape, or form because they're, they're imperfect. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I think of, I I don't know the exact number of presidents that Mm -hmm. Billy Graham met, Mm -hmm. um, but you think of the variety Mm -hmm. of people of him praying with, I think it was Truman
0: mm all the way through Barack Obama.
1: I, I, did he get, I thought he got to meet with Trump too. No.
0: He, you know what? I think actually he might have. I think he was still alive. I think you're right. I think
1: so. And yeah. so I mean, you, you yeah. look at that that right. spectrum. Right.
0: Truman to Trump.
1: Right. That is. That's, that's a incredible. spectrum. Incredible. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. And, and what? He when he went to the Oval Office, it seems, to me. I mean, there'd be a fascinating book to explore all of the president's reactions to Billy Graham. Right. Right. My sense is that he loved the man. Yeah, he didn't sit there and go, "Well, yeah. if you would change your stance on this, right. then then I'll pray with you." No, but no, right. every yeah. president mm-hmm. in my lifetime that I've heard reflect on Billy Graham talked about what a calming presence mm-hmm. he was, how he offered them peace. And Billy Graham's classic go-to line was, "The Bible says." Yeah. Uh-huh. He never made it about a political yeah. agenda. He yeah. never made it about one way or the other. And he prioritized. He said, "Look, God." God is never surprised mm-hmm. with who sits on the throne, yeah, be it in a state election, a community right. election, a you know federal national mm-hmm. election. He's never surprised, and God can use anybody
0: that's right,
1: and so that always gives me great comfort when it yeah. comes to election season, of knowing that it doesn't matter if the person I vote for ultimately wins, ultimately loses, that i I obey the King of Kings and Lord of Lords right. And he is ultimately going to use... I mean, I think of the stories of the kings in the Bible. Yeah. You've got uh, got Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. who God hardens his heart. And I mean, Mm -hmm. interesting, you could go back and forth about whether that's pressing on it to reveal the true nature of it. Pharaoh hardening his own heart. Then you've got Caesar in the New Testament and the yeah. people are like this isn't the voice of a man right. this is the voice of a God and right. then you know his body spills open all these worms come out. Yeah. I think it was Herod I think. Yeah. Was that Herod? So what I, I, oh, I said Caesar. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 It's Herod where it does that and you just go yeah every yeah. Yeah. every person in authority Pontius yeah. Pilate comes right. to Jesus right. like all of right. these guys and just yeah. go yeah God God's way is going to prevail. Yeah. And even
0: Paul and and Peter and the apostles, uh, when they are um, talking about things, when they say things like, um, "Honor the emperor," right, "pray for those in authority over you," um, humbly submit to the governing authorities, right, because they are established by God. I mean, they're talking about emperors like
1: Nero. Nero, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what
0: always blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, that's that's who Peter is telling everybody to honor the guy who actually executes him on an upside down cross. That's the guy that Peter says, yeah, we honor the emperor. Right. And it's It's not because Peter's a fool. I refuse to believe that. And it's not because Peter's a wimp or, uh, you know, whatever. Right. I I refuse to believe that. I mean the man was crucified upside down on a cross. He's not, he's not a wimp.
1: And he walked on water for a bit.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, He's a pretty tough dude at the end of the day. A fisherman, life of hard labor. I mean, like, we're not talking about some softy here, right? Yeah. We're talking about someone who dedicates his entire life to the proclamation of the gospel and is killed for it. Right. And he's saying, honor the emperor. Mm -hmm. Pray for those who, you know, pray for those in governing authorities for you, over you. Uh, And then Paul, similarly, right, honor uh, the emperor and and uh, humbly submit to their authority. They don't bear the sword in vain, and they you know, all of those kinds of things. It, 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 is, it is a really pretty radical, at the end of the day, approach to the state, as it were, the secular state, as it were, or the, in, in Paul and Peter's case, a pagan state, as it right. were, the, the Christian's response to that or the Christian's relationship to that. And and it also seems to me that the, the overriding goal there was not to try and gain political power like a, as a way of like then enforcing Christianity on the whole empire. It was a bottom up kind of movement to say we're gonna just convert person after person after person. Some of those people are gonna filter into public office and right. then once they're in public office they can use their influence to potentially shape laws and do those kinds of things to make the empire more and more Christian. And you know what? And that's actually what ended up happening.
1: Sure. When you look at Daniel, Nehemiah. Absolutely. These people who are in service to a conquering king. That's right. And both of them get recognized by... They're conquerors, yeah. right? Nehemiah's king goes, you know, why? Why are you so sad? Basically, right. like you're never sad around. I love no, that. That's you, what initiates. That the, actually, the, what the, you're the taking your
0: life into your own hands if you're sad you're around the king. You're sad yeah. in
1: front of the king. What's wrong? Yeah. Like, uh, and ultimately, the king goes, "Tell you what. Why don't yeah. you go re- restore yeah. the city that I yeah. basically demolished, and I'll give you the supplies to do it and yeah. an escort." Mm-hmm. And Daniel's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah." Not gonna eat your food right, and we're right, not gonna right. do this. The king's like, okay, it's actually I like mm-hmm. your way better. And yeah. I think we have this maybe it's this moral superiority complex that we think, you know, whenever we have somebody in office who makes a decision mm-hmm. that we think we would have made better, mm. we go, Oh, you know, if I was governor, if right. I was right, you know, the congressperson or whatever, I you know, a real godly person would have done this or yeah. why can't they see and and so we elevate ourselves and i think for anybody who's actually been in leadership yeah you sit there and everybody wrestles with it yeah. everybody wrestles with yeah. all these decisions and goes huh and we get caught up in these petty squabbles about mm-hmm. things rather than going what we sometimes think is good is actually mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. sometimes in solving a problem we create five more mm-hmm. politically yeah and you sometimes what we think is really good turns out to be really bad sometimes the things so, that we think are bad actually turn out to be better than we thought. Right. And it's in the moment, I think challenging, but if we just ascribe all things to God, mm-hmm. then the person who's elected, I see, man, if we can live like the Daniels and the Nehemiahs mm-hmm. of the world, I mean, I look at even the story of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, mm-hmm. <laughs> like God changes his mind. He takes over this, mm-hmm. you right. know, he goes the narrative. Mad. Yeah. Right. You just go, wow. Yeah. Like if God can do that with Nebuchadnezzar. Sure. What can you do with leaders of our land? so as Christian mm-hmm. citizens, I think yes, we've got
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's incumbent on us to vote mm-hmm. and then once we do, we're called to obey right. the ruler of the land in in a way that honors God right until it it directly comes into mm. conflict perhaps with what God tells us in the Bible oh, right but I don't think there's many times in our country where we can honestly say that
0: no and that goes back right to the separation of church and state where that becomes actually a positive for the church because right. the state can't dictate to the church how we shall operate hmm. you know i mean it, it that became a fascinating sort of case study during COVID, for instance when the government was trying to determine you know what was essential right and what was non-essential and the essential stuff stayed open and in person and the non-essential stuff was closed down and was remote the fascinating case study over the last couple of years with the pandemic is that the government was essentially trying to determine what businesses were essential what activities were essential and what were non-essential right those activities that were essential those businesses were that essential they stayed in person they stayed on the job right, right. Hol- home depot on. stayed open right those businesses and those activities that were non-essential, you were you were told to do it remotely, you were not allowed to meet, you know, all those kinds of things. Right. And one of the big questions really quickly was, is worship, is church getting together an essential activity or a non-essential activity? And I remember being on these phone calls with our governor in our state, uh-huh. right, who is not a believer, right. he's Jewish, um, and comes from the more liberal side of the spectrum, um, although he has some interesting fiscally conservative right. sort of like policies as well. Um, he's kind of an interesting mix, not quite as left of center perhaps as some of his peers on, you know, in California, Washington, Oregon, at the same time, certainly not, you know, right of center, you know, by any right. stretch. And um, it was interesting being on these phone calls and in these conversations with him as as our governor is trying to wrestle with how do I, what do I do with the faith community? Right. Because he could recognize that the essential role that faith community plays in serving our community, the food pantries and all the stuff that he knew was going to, we were going to need to have on some level. Right. And at the same time, he's getting pressure to close churches down and close, you know, and he did for a time. Right. I mean, um, now they, they pretty quickly, if you were able to meet outside, you could do that. I mean, they, they tried to flex on some level and I, you know, I always appreciated that. Although, you know, I, but, you know, I have my own opinions on that, but mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think they were trying to be as flexible as possible. I know here at Pepsi, within about two months, we were back in person right outside. Mm-hmm. We met outside for from like June to October. It was like 17 weeks. It was crazy, right? right, right. And so, so there was this sense, right, though, of like essential, non-essential, and what quickly ended up happening, of course, is lawsuits were filed. And the law, the defense was essentially like, "Look, there's a line between separation of church and state, and God's word tells us that we are not to neglect the meeting of the community. This is the state trying to tell us to neglect the meeting of the community. We right. are not going to obey. Therefore, right? Therefore, and 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 so lots of states had those lawsuits going on. I know here in Colorado there was a couple of churches that lodged a lawsuit." Um, and I think eventually what, what ended up happening was uh, our, our governor just decided not to fight it. Hmm. He just said, okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to give in because he could kind of see around the country where some of the court cases were going sure. because churches and faith communities were actually winning. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just a really interesting, yeah. kind of like I said, case study for all of those kinds of things in terms of how does the, the church relate to the state. That's on an organizational level. Going back to like the individual level, how does the Christian relate mm-hmm. to the state? And, you know, you got some Christians out there who say just withdraw from the state altogether, like kind of live off the grid, go off the grid, you know, pull the ripcord on culture. I don't think that's the answer. And then I think you got some Christians who are like, basically, go fight, win, like do everything you, you can to achieve political power and, you know, win the fight and, you know, those kinds of things. And I'm not... I don't know if that's the answer either. I think there's sure. some pluses and minuses to both approaches, to be honest. And then I think there is this like alternative way where you stay engaged right in the heart of culture. You're advocating for the things that God wants you to advocate for, life and, and, and freedom and these kinds of things and responsibility, all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, you're not tying yourself to the outcome of that because you recognize that that's God's right you're a
1: citizen of a greater I'm a citizen of something yeah something
0: greater so I don't know if any of that is helpful or relatable to the people who are listening to this podcast and thinking to themselves like yeah how should I think as I go into the election just practically speaking let me offer three suggestions and I'd love to get your feedback on that and then we'll wrap up but um, I think it's pretty clear the Bible says that as it relates to the Christian's relationship to the state, we're to do three things. I mean, and I think this is just biblical, unequivocal, regardless, right? Number one, we are to honor whoever God puts in political leadership. Mm-hmm. Period, end of story. Whether we agree with them, don't agree with them, whether we think they're a good person, not a good person, it, it just doesn't matter. We're to honor them. That doesn't mean that you don't disagree with them, and that doesn't mean that you don't protest when it's right you know, to protest and those kinds of things, but we honor them. And you can do that in an honorable way, I think. Sure. Number two, we pray for them.
1: Hmm.
0: We have to pray for them. We have to pray for their salvation, pray for wisdom, pray for God to move in their hearts and those kinds of things. And number three, you've got to, it seems to me, humbly submit to them unless they're asking you to do something directly against the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Then I think you have to obey God rather than man. But but those three things, honor the emperor, pray for the emperor, humbly submit to the emperor using Paul's language and Peter's language. In our day and age, it wouldn't be the emperor, it would be, you know, the governor and the uh, yeah, president. Honor the president, governor, you know, what have you. Pray for them and humbly submit to them.
1: What do you think about that? I agree. And I think as soon as we put human hands on holy work, oh, that's a really we good start point. to mess things up Yeah, bit. that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And so as I think about what you're saying, I'm, I don't know, it seems to me that times of great growth in the church have been when there's been attempts to quelch Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. the church kind of goes, okay, we're going to go underground. And then there's, there's massive growth in the church. So human hands trying to expand, you know, the church and the work of God sometimes fail miserably. And then all of a sudden they're put in a position where they're forced to meet underground. Mm -hmm. And then there's this massive revival that takes place. So Mm -hmm. I, I just think that that every knee will bow, <laughs> you know. Right, in other words, right, right. God's yeah. God's ways will prevail. He can yeah. use anyone, and yeah, as Christians, yeah. we should be we should be great citizens. Yeah, we shouldn't have neighbors going, "Oh, that Christian over there speeds yeah. through my neighborhood." Or you should see the. Yeah, we should be fantastic. Yeah, in that I mean that old children's song, and they'll know we are Christians by oh, our love. By our right. love should be evident in the way we live our lives. Yeah, including in the way we're obedient to the law of the land.
0: Yeah. And, and just to kind of wrap up here, I mean, that's exactly how the uh, Christians essentially won over the Roman empire. Right. It It was how they, how they lived. You know, there's these letters we have that aren't even in the Bible. They're, they're written from like Roman emperors to governors that say like, you know, what should we do about these Christians? They actually take better care of the poor than we do. Yeah. They actually bury our dead. Yeah. They, they like, they like, care for our plague victims i mean the the like we have these letters expressing this just awe and wonder at how the christians responded to the challenges of their day and age and i wonder what it would look like if going back to what you were kind of twitter and social media if all of a sudden this whole rash of like messaging that went out and was like do you see what these people are doing like how they're caring for others and how they're loving others and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things and people listening they may they may not agree with us when it comes down to like how how do we live as Christians in our nation and those kinds of things, or whether how Christian is America today or has been in in the past and those kinds of things. And these are questions that we can debate further and talk further about. And you and I are certainly open to that. We don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do think that as we think through what it means for us to be Christians as well as citizens, Of the country where god has placed us Um, it's a it's a incredible responsibility Mm. and one that we should not take lightly for sure and one that we should seek god's wisdom for um absolutely so thanks as always to you robbie and to jake and billy our guys behind the glass making it sound good please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow jesus we'd love your comments or your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes in the weeks ahead we'll talk to you next time